0: We're doing part two of uh, last week's message, and we're continuing on. A hunger for God. A hunger for God. And um, I wanted just to say a little bit about uh, today's message uh, before I get into it. You know, um, it it came about because I was thinking a lot about uh, us entering the second half of our year. And um, a lot has already happened. And I'm praying that for all of us, uh, that we continue to walk in the victory of Christ. And that uh, each and every single one of us grows in our relationship with God. Um, And as we go into today's uh, word, we're going to see why that is so extremely important. You know, it came to my attention, uh, just, you know, we, we all do, right? We see the news, we watch the news, uh, our personal lives, our personal struggles, uh, things that are going around, even on our own blocks where we live, uh, things that we hear and things that we see can sometimes, could try, it could try to kind of freak us out. But this morning, Uh, I believe that God has given us the solution. Amen. I realize that in our society, there is a type of pandemic. And it is not the disease type. It is not the COVID type of pandemic. It is called lawlessness. There seems to be this uh, way of thinking or spirit of being that are having people think that they could do whatever they want, whenever they want without consequences of any sorts. Like it doesn't really matter that the rules and the regulations of the world and our life just don't apply to them that somehow they are exempt from following those rules. And we also have to understand that there are also spiritual laws, things that uh, we don't see, things that we can only learn from scriptures, that people also, because of the lack of uh, knowledge, ignorance, whatever have you, uh, and they also don't want to follow those. They think that, like I said, just wanna do what they want. So Matthew 24, verse 12, is what spurred on uh, this message. It says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Other versions, uh, it said, this version, uh, New Kings James Version, it says growing cold. Uh, There are other versions that uh, call this waxing cold. And it basically, it gives us the impression that the love that many of us once had, and the love they're they're talking about is the love of God, uh, that was once alive, is now not even there. It's not present. It's gone cold. And the solution, I strongly believe, and that's what the Lord has led on my heart, is to keep our love on fire for God. That is to develop and maintain our hunger and thirst for God and the things of God. There's so many things that are always pulling and vying and fighting for our attention in this world Our kids, aging parents, bills, you know, government. So many things, a pile can go on and on and on. And it can weigh pretty heavy on a person. Um, But I'm praying that as we go through today, and as we go through the word, that we would all be uplifted, encouraged, and challenged. The thing, the truth is that... If we don't nurture this relationship that we have with God, uh, the cares of the world will outweigh us. So in order to be able to press on, to continue, uh, it is to feed that hunger and that thirst for God in our soul so that it would outweigh everything else. Amen. So we don't, uh, so we will basically avoid or, or not fall into the trap. Let me say it that way. I think that's better said. We won't fall into the trap of allowing our love to wax cold. Because we would be feeding that thirst and that hunger that our soul has you see, the thing is, and I, I, that's why I, we, we did this in two parts last week. I talked about this. Our, uh, every single person has a hunger and a thirst. And sometimes what happens is we substitute it for other things, thinking uh, for the temporary fill, thinking that uh, we're okay. And the truth is we're not okay, things are not okay, uh, and we need God. So let's fill our hunger and our thirst for God this morning, Hallelujah. And I want us to understand that this process of hungering and thirsting for God is an everyday process. It's a continuous process. It's not a one day thing. It's something that we do on a consistent basis, okay? And it's a slow process. You know, our Christian life, our Christian belief is not something that is a one-time event. This is a life. This is a life. This is a way of living. And it's way deeper and way higher than anything any of us can find on this earth. Amen. And it will help us uh, not only in the life after. You know, a lot of us think about the life after. But God is also concerned with our life here on earth as well. You know, uh, we always, you know, use the temporary fixes and we try to uh, allow God, you know, kind of like put him on the side. You know, sometimes we can have God on the sidelines and we'll tap into him only when we need him. But God wants to be there every single step of the way. So let's get into this this morning. So we discussed last week the hunger and thirst for God. And and uh, we've said that a true hunger and thirst for God is a desire to live a godly life. It is the awakening of realizing that everything in this world cannot satisfy and we need something more fulfilling. And uh, we read Isaiah 55 and I'm going to read Isaiah 55 again. just to uh, refresh our memories. And um, as I said last week, this call is still a call that is very much alive and well and still calling us this morning. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live, amen. So what are some ways we are going to develop and stay hungry for God? When I read those verses, I my whole thing is, my soul just goes, I want that water and I want that bread. It doesn't make me feel hungry. I want something that satisfies me and completes me. And so uh, these, I believe, are the ways that we're going to develop the hunger for God and to stay hungry for God. So the first one this morning is gonna be praying. Praying. You see, God is a gentleman. God is never going to uh, try to control. He's not, not gonna manipulate He's not gonna make you, he's not going to interject himself in our lives. We have to ask God. We have to ask God. The scripture says we have not because we ask not. There's another scripture that says that we ask amiss. We're not asking the right things. King David King David in scripture, I don't know if any, hopefully all of you have heard who King David is, was known as a man after God's own heart. And King David wrote a lot of psalms, songs to the Lord. And in one of them, he wrote this, Psalms 42, verses one to two. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When was the last time we just told God exactly how we feel? Told God exactly where we're at and told him that we need him more than anything? That our soul just thirsts so much. Our life just hungers so much for God that we need him. We want him to be a part of our lives. And everyone has a different a relationship and a different uh, level of where they're at with God. But irregardless of where we are at, complacency can set in. And complacency can have us just believe that uh, everything is okay. I believe in God and that's it. I, I try, I pray every once in a while. You know, I go to church every once in a while or even if you go to church every single day, uh, or I mean every single Sunday or every single event, you could still fall into complacency. Because uh, complacency is something where we just kind of are okay with where things are at. But the thing is that with God, things always go deeper and deeper. There's always more to know with God, and then the more we know with uh, the more we know uh, about God, and the more we come closer to God. The more we realize that we need Him. Amen. So it's important to invite Him every single day into our lives. When we pray, we, uh, and then this is the other thing with prayer that we have to understand, right? So we're praying to God, we're asking Him, we are inviting Him into our life. And then the other part of prayer that sometimes we can, uh, maybe we haven't talked about enough, is that we have to listen to what God is now gonna say, right? Because we can pray, we can ask God for X, Y, Z. We could ask God, we want you in our life, you know, but then we don't listen. That is also part of prayer. It's a two-way line, right? if we are asking and telling him and then we're not listening to what he's saying back, there was no point to the prayer, right? It's like when, even in our our relationships with our friends, our family, our coworkers, right? If we're talking to them and uh, we're asking them to do something or, you know, giving them advice perhaps and then they're not listening, or they're not respecting you as you're talking and speaking to them, you would probably tell yourself, what's the point of this relationship, right? God is also the same. We have to, it's a two-way street. He's listening, and then in return, we are also listening to what he's saying. And the thing is, when God speaks, it's a powerful, powerful thing. It might be the simplest of words, but if we listen to what God is saying and do what God is saying, we will see the most powerful results you can ever have in life. You know, every single day that I'm at work or whatever I'm doing and I feel like I'm struggling, whatever the struggle could possibly be, and and we can pray any single time Anywhere, And I could just ask God, like, God, I don't know. You know, I'm, like, even now, you know, yesterday, I was just completely exhausted. And uh, I'm just asking God to help me. That's all. I said, God, just help me. And I could just, I just have this sense of, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through your day. And sometimes, that's all we need to keep going. Amen? We just need somebody to tell us it's okay. It's going to be okay at the end of the road. Just keep going. And it's, you know, so that's the power in prayer, is talking like we did this morning to a divine nature, something that is above us, something that is over us, that he's communing with us. I think that is the most powerful thing. And he's speaking to us a words of life. So that's the next thing we're going to get into. God's word is the word of life. So the second thing that's going to help us to develop our hunger for God after we've asked and we're listening. Our second one is studying the word of God. Studying the word of God. And you know, we could, and I'm not talking about just reading it, okay? This is not just reading it like, It's a textbook or reading it like it's a novel or a story, even though the stories are quite, you know, if you read it with life, they're quite entertaining. They can be quite uh, funny sometimes. God has a sense of humor. I see sense of humor in the scriptures sometimes. Um, I love the way my husband reads the Bible. It's just, just full of life. You can read it that way, plain like that. And that's okay, there's a time and place for that. But the type of, when I say studying the word of God, I don't mean just reading over it and glazing it. I'm talking about sitting with it and allowing it to change and transform you. That means that as you're reading the scripture, there's perhaps a word or a a thought that God evokes because of what you're reading and you stop and you think about it and you ask God questions about it and you go, God, what does that mean? What are you trying to tell me? Why is this catching my attention? I like what you're saying in this scripture. Tell me more. God is gonna explain more to you about what that means. This is the kind of thing I'm saying by studying the word of God, you know, we um, and then well, because we're doing that, it's called feeding. That's what I call it. I call it feeding time. I call it uh, having breakfast with God. I call it having tea time with God. You can call it whatever you want for yourself. But that's one of the most important things that we can do to develop the hunger and thirst for God. If you haven't caught it already, the way that we develop a hunger and thirst for God is to go after God. That's how we develop it. Uh, write it down. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a big practice that I do is writing, writing the scripture down that's speaking to me. I just write it over or you could put it however, you know, techie people, you like doing things on your phone. That's cool. Type it into your phone. Write it down. Have a separate space for your notes. What God is speaking to you through that scripture. Sit on it. Meditate on it. Uh, If you're a a psalmist, you know, there's psalmists out there, write a song about it. You know, a lot of worship songs comes from this. Because the the worship leader, the psalmist, the song, the person who's writing the song has sat with God and spent time with God. You know, so a lot of things can come from uh, your times with the Lord, just studying the word that way. Um, There's a metaphor here that I want to bring out from the scripture, uh, from Isaiah. And uh, it it says the bread, right? It talks a lot about this bread. And um, the bread that they're referring to, just to be clear, is Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. Scripture talks about Jesus as the bread of life and the reason that the scripture talks about Jesus as the bread of life is because bread signifies substance okay and that when it so when it says bread of life it means that he is the substance of life Whatever situation that you might find yourselves in this morning, whatever's happened this week, whatever's happened the past six months, the substance of life is what's gonna help us through the next six months, hallelujah. When the Israelites were hungry in the desert and complaining, you know, when they came out of Exodus, The Israelites came out and they were in the desert, desert. Desert is a a time and place where everything is dry. Everything is dry. There's nothing to hang on to. There's no source of water. There's no, you don't see any animal to get food from. You don't see any rivers anywhere. It's just dry, okay? And in the middle of that, the Israelites complaining that they're hungry, physically hungry. And what God does is that he performs the miracle and bread falls from heaven. And this miracle was, is very significant and is very on purpose by God. John 6 32 33 says this Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He was re this is this was in the New Testament. So this is um, Jesus speaking to to the disciples, to the people. And he's letting them know that it wasn't Moses that sustained them in the desert. It wasn't another man that fed them. It wasn't a man that kept them alive. It wasn't a man that kept them from dying in the desert. It was God. That manna from heaven represented Jesus. That Jesus, that he's the same one talking in this verse. And he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This morning, if we're lacking in any area, I want to tell you that God has life for you. Whatever is perplexing, whatever is bothering the mind, the body, the soul, God has life for you. Jesus has life for you. And my prayer is that you will be refreshed this morning in the name of Jesus. Even as you hear these words, that you would eat that manna from heaven that God is speaking to you this morning, that you would receive it in the name of Jesus. John 1-1 says, "'In the beginning was the Word, "'and the Word was with God, and "'and the Word was God.'" It continues. "'He was in the beginning with God. "'All things were made through him, "'and without him nothing was made that was made. "'In him was life, and the life was the light of men, And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. They were talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God, that is Jesus. Where was Jesus in the beginning? He was with God forming the earth. And he went with God and then he came on this earth and walked on this earth. John was referring to Jesus. Jesus is the word. When we spend time with the scripture, when we spend time with the word, we're actually spending time with Jesus himself, the one that gives life. When we feed our mind and our soul with this bread, we gain life in our soul and in our bodies. It's not just for the inner, inner being. This is not Buddhist kind of religion where we just Zen and we feel peace only on the inside and it doesn't do anything for anything else. Jesus is the bread of life. That means he's, gonna, he's inside and out, a whole person, physically, mentally, spiritually, on your inmost, every single part of us. God will touch and affects those parts. Even if you study science, I'm, I'm very much into this is how my brain thinks, I think in those terms. You know, even science tells us worrying and stress affects the physical being. It affects our hormones, it will affect the, the aging process, it affects diseases, heart disease, diabetes, all these things can be connected to stress, worry, because we're overly focused on the wrong things sometimes. I'm not saying they're not important. They have their importance, but some that's the problem. We have to hunger and thirst for God first. Seek him first so that he can order our life. The most powerful thing I ever heard a preacher say was that if you want your life transformed and changed, change starts with us. It starts with me. If I want to see change in my house, if I want to see change in my life, if I want to see anything move or happen, if I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I have to change me first. And this is where that is going to happen. So we have to feed our minds with the truth, with the word of God, with the bread of life. Because the truth is that God wants us to have life and life more abundantly. He doesn't just want us to be complacent. He is not looking for you to have a, a, a just a okay kind of life. He's looking for us to have that fulfilling, satisfying, joyful, peaceful kind of life. That's Jesus. The world will have you thinking all sorts of things. They even have their own perspective about who we are as Christians. They think they know it all. They don't know it all because they don't know Jesus. In order to know anything from anything, we have to know who God is. And the only way we're going to get to know who God is, is through this word. People say, oh, this word is boring. This word is, oh, why, you know, why are you going teaching us what? Because it is life. If we want to have any type of life that is any good at all, we're going to need Jesus. We're going to need him. And to know Jesus is to know the word. When we know this word, when we're steep in this river of God's love, understanding how deep God's love, how wide God's love is for you, if that's something that you're struggling with, you need to go to those scriptures. Ask God, God, I need to know the love that you have for me. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling alone. I feel like this problem is I have it only on my back. We need to go to the Lord. He will refresh our souls. He will have a word right there in season for us to feed on. The word says that he will lead us to green pastures. It doesn't say I'm going to lead you to the desert. The scripture doesn't say I'm going to lead you to hunger and starve. He says I will lead you to green pastures. Green pastures are lush. They're full, they, they have a substance, they have food. And to still waters, that's peace. You no, know, waters are refreshing. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think about waters is, you know, being by the beach. You know, it's like people go to the beach during the summertime because it's refreshing from, from all the hotness, from, from the air and the sun beating down. You get to be refreshed. That's Jesus. Amen. If you're having trouble understanding the scriptures, you're sitting down and you want to, or you just want to learn more. It doesn't matter where you're at. It really doesn't. I suggest that you invest in a study guide that helps you understand scriptures. A good one. If you, if you, ha- if you really want a good study guide, you don't know where to start. You could ask Pastor Steve. You could ask myself. We will help you. That is what we are here for. We want to encourage that walk that you have with christ and you know that's why i said to ask one of us or just be careful because there are books out there there are literature out there uh, that do have are t- are written by false teachers and they have false doctrines even though the person says they're a christian okay so i will throw that question out okay the next thing we have here the next thing we have So there's two more, actually three more. Uh, The next one is our relationships. Our relationships, they matter. If we want more of God in our life, if we want to level up in our spiritual walk with Christ, we're gonna need good, godly relationships in our life. And if your current relationships in your life don't like it, then pray about it. Maybe you have to let that relationship go. Because a real friend, a real uh, somebody who wants good for you, that actually loves you, will always let you flourish. Always remember that. They will always let you flourish. Our relationships are just equally important because the thing is that God did not make us to be alone. He made us to be communal. He made us to live in community. Okay, the strongest people are people who live in community. Okay, they, they care about one another. They stir each other up for good works. We need those godly relationships that challenge our spiritual walk, that make us want to hunger and thirst for more of God. Where we see God moving and having miracles and we want the same thing. This they call it kind of like a, a, a it's kind of like a good kind of jealousy, if I want to put it that way. I want what that guy has. I've been, in the, I've been walking with God too, but I see where he's at with God, and it's just amazing. I want to, you want those kinds of relationships, the ones that challenge you to want God more. The, you know, one of the reasons that I am able to do what I do is because I, God gave me godly uh, friends. Along my path, i had some good godly relationships that challenged me and pushed me that encouraged me to keep walking with god because the truth is this life is not easy and we need people by our sides that are going to encourage us edify us give us a word from god your friend can speak a word for you they can pray for us we need them we need them very much You know, there's that saying, uh, no man is an island. I actually wanted to find out where that came from. And it was actually from a a theologian, 17th century. He came up with it. He said, no man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. There is no such thing as I'm gonna handle this by myself. That is a trap. No man is an island. We need relationships and we need godly people by our sides. God says it this way. Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25, he says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. This is what godly relationships does. This is the purpose for the body of Christ. When we come together, we don't come together in church just for socialization purposes. We come to church to get encouraged from another brother, from another sister, from pastor, you know, to get a word, to have somebody pray, somebody understands our struggle, somebody understands the persecution that we live in because the world doesn't like Christians. That's the bottom line. Nobody likes to know that, oh, you're toting around a Bible and you're speaking God's word. Nobody likes that. People who who like to live their life the way they like to live it are not gonna like that. So we need one another that have the same kind of mind. We have the same mind. We we have the same uh, belief system. We need to come together and worship together. We need to come together and pray for one another and do good works. That means that we're reaching out to the lost. We're touching people's lives. That's God's purpose for us. Hallelujah. And the next thing on the relationships that I want to touch is this. Every single person is important to the body of Christ. Every single person is important to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. You can read the whole thing on your own. You can write it down, read it another time. We don't have time this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 26. It says... For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, that means it's not just one person, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Can you imagine? You say you don't need your eye or you don't need your hand. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are still necessary. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer. Because no man is an island. What happens to your brother and sister affects the other one. What happens to one affects the other one. If we, you know, we like to live in a society to think that what affects uh, so-and-so doesn't affect me. It's not true. What affects one person is going to affect everybody else. This is what... You know, Paul was writing to the church, trying to explain to them that they you know, there was back then there was a lot of different economic statuses. There was uh, different types of cultures and people were, you know, separating all oh, this, that, you know, they were having these issues. And Paul is saying, no, every single person is important. Even if you think that person is weak, that person is still important. You know, your little pinky, toe, you know, nobody thinks about the pinky toe on your foot But if you break that pinky toe, if you hurt that pinky toe, you're going to be walking with a limp, which means that every single part of our body, that means every single part of the body of Christ is important. Amen. The last one, because I only have four minutes or less than that. The last one is very important. We'll we'll just do four. uh, I really did already touch the fifth one last week, so it's okay. The last one expose ourselves to the move of the holy spirit we must expose ourselves to the move of the holy spirit the holy spirit has been described as a life force there's a father the son and the holy spirit we have to expose ourselves to the holy spirit what does that mean where the presence of the Spirit is, you want, to, you want to be there. Where you see the Spirit moving, be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized by the Holy Spirit, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is breath. The Holy Spirit is life. When the scripture talks about thirsting, it's really talking about thirsting the Spirit of God. That's the water, the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God brings empowerment, leads us to the truth, it, it brings life, comforts us when we need comfort, leads us when we need leading, and empowers us when we feel weak. That's the Holy Spirit. So you want to expose yourself to that. John 14, 26 says this. Jesus left this earth, but he didn't leave us alone. He left us with his spirit. We've been talking about that lately. John 14, says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is empowerment. It will teach us things. It will, you know, when you're reading the scriptures, when you're in the presence of God, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to guide you. He will teach you, he will show you things, he will guide you to the truth. Ask God, I want to know the truth. Teach me the truth. The Holy Spirit will be there. So even though Jesus left and went to the Father, he didn't leave us alone. He sent us his Spirit. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hunger to be baptized by the Spirit. Hunger after God. Let the Holy Spirit take you, teach you where you gotta go. I gotta close here. It's 11.28. The Holy Spirit is our empowerment, amen. This morning, let's just pray. We're gonna close with prayer and ask God to fill us uh, and for us to hunger and thirst for more, I think. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. I have delivered your word. It will not return void, Lord God. May it continue to speak to us, Lord, to speak to our soul. May we hunger and thirst for more of you this morning. And for those of us who are struggling this morning, may they sense your spirit this morning of refreshment, Lord God. May they be refreshed by your Holy Spirit, by your truth, O Lord. May you lead and guide them. May you speak a word to them this morning that would revive them from where they are. And let them know that you are there and you are working. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.